You're listening to the Harborside Church Podcast. To connect with us online, go to www.harborside.org. We hope you enjoy this message. People have got all sorts of different thoughts about God, haven't they? You do. Uh, people think of God in all sorts of different ways. Uh, it's not uncommon for people to think of that he's really kind of transcendent. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's very powerful. Uh, some people think that he's sovereign. Some people think that he's distant. Uh, yeah, people got all sorts of different metaphors in the way that they, that they think about God. Do you ever think about God as artist? Like, it would make sense in as much as the creator of the universe that he'd be a little bit artistic and have to see a sunrise or a sunset to get that sense that, you know, just maybe there's a bit of a, a creative edge to him, that, you know, that maybe something about God is artistic. And even if we kind of go into that zone of thinking of God in an artistic sense, um, it, it's still easy to kind of have that sense that he's artistic like, like in that cosmos rather than that he's artistic in your person. And uh, Jesus took this, uh, this cosmic, all-powerful, sovereign uh, God uh, for whom some would have negative paradigms when they think about him. They can only think of him negatively like uh, he's, he's just judgmental, he's just critical. It's kind of like being invited to the principal's office or having an audit on your life. Yeah? Hey, guess what? We're going to do an audit of your life. You know? Oh, that sounds like fun. I really want to draw near to that. Let's go and do an audit. You know? it's just, some people have got all these different concepts. Jesus said, there's not a sparrow that lands on the ground that my father knows about it. He said, you're much more important than a sparrow. He knows the very number of hairs that you've got on your head. So Jesus took this cosmic God, he drew him up close... And so there's, there's just a couple of verses from the Bible I want to point out today. And if you have your Bible, you can look it up. But I'm happy, to, I'm just going to speak it to you anyway. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, if you want to look that up. And the translation I want to quote from says this. It says, you are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do, which, to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. Some of the translations you might be more familiar with say, you are his workmanship. Same Greek word, just in translated nuance. You're his workmanship or you're his masterpiece. And so this, um, this idea, there was the Apostle Paul who wrote it like that. This idea that God himself is doing a work in you. Now, I, just, I want everyone to do something really practical. Always helps us do something practical. You just could you put your, these two fingers here, just behind your left thumb, and uh, just see if you can find a pulse. Okay, now, uh, you know, some churches, like I heard about a church where a guy had a heart attack and died, and they called the paramedics, they carried out three quarters of the church before they found the right guy. That's a joke, that's a joke, that that didn't happen. Now, if you've got a pulse, if, (laughs) if you've got a pulse, God's not finished with you yet. You've got a pulse... God's not finished with you yet. In other words, the artist still has the paintbrush in his hand. Or if you're familiar, um, you no doubt know uh, the uh, historic artist uh, Michelangelo. Michelangelo said he could look at a lump of rock and he could see the figure inside it. Uh, There's one famous quote, he said, I could see the angel inside the rock. I just had to dig it out. Now, What that would suggest to me, that the Bible says, you are his masterpiece, that would say to me, there is a version of you 
inside of you that God himself is bringing out. There is a version of you inside of you that God himself is bringing out. God can see it. And he would say to Simon, you are Peter, and on this rock, you're Peter, you're Petros, you're a little rock, you're on this big rock, I'm going to build my church, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to do papal theology there, but I just want you to, it's like Jesus could see something inside somebody and bring it out. Yes? God, but God's done that historically, you know, you're Abraham, I'm going to call you Abraham, you're going to name changes and calling the best out of a person that there is something inside of you that God himself desires to bring out. And it's not, it's not as if it's not you, it is you. It's just it's a better version of you. Now, it makes sense when you think about it. Like, who doesn't stand taller in the knowledge that they have been forgiven? You know, the guilt rolls away that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and that all grace abounds. You know, the Bible says, if, if God be for you, who can be against you? You know, that God has demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And, and that, you know, the Bible says the blood of Christ cleanses you from all sin. And so we get this chance to, like, stand taller because we are forgiven people. Which life doesn't become bigger on the basis that now you are declared a son or a daughter of the living God, that as a son or a daughter of the living God, that you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, that God himself will give you power. It was Jesus who said that, yeah? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to, to, to be my witnesses, my martyrios. You're going to be my witnesses. And, and uh, so there's, there's this call to a bigger life. And Jesus said, whoever believes in me, out of their inmost being will flow rivers of living water. It's such an abundant statement, isn't it? It's not like, There'll be a dripping tap. Whoever believes in me, there'll be like there'll be a dripping tap of life in them. He didn't even say, whoever believes in me, there'll be a trickle. He didn't even say there will be a river. Whoever believes in me, out of their inmost being, I'm quoting Jesus, will flow rivers, plural, of living water. You know, Jesus kind of uses this type of uh, abundant language, you know, when he told the parable of the sower and the sower goes out and sows all the seeds, etc. And he, when he, he actually interpreted the parable to his disciples, he said, you don't get this one, you're not going to get any of them. And the good soil sees the word of God and the good soil, when it gets sown, the good soil, there's this harvest, 30, 60, 100 fold increase there. Jesus repeatedly goes to this zone of a bigger life. Whichever way you can kind of understand that, he actually didn't interpret what that 36 to 100 fold increase kind of meant. Uh, Luke did connect the sown seed to salvation and maybe it's a harvest of souls, maybe it's a bigger person. Regardless, there is a bigger life that is lived. God sees a version of you inside of you that he's bringing out. I'm the vine, my father's a vine dresser and he's going to prune you towards fruitfulness. And my father's going to, there's much glory going to be brought to my father in, in as much as you bear much fruit, Jesus said. And your fruit, fruit will last. And so you get this type of New Testament language whereby God is artist, you are masterpiece, he's not done yet, 
If you want a good Bible word, it's called sanctification. You're being made more like Jesus day by day. And he is bringing out of you a version of you that is a bigger and better version of you than previously existed. How? How do you participate in that process? Would you want to participate in that process? Would you, want to, would you want to cooperate with God or would you want to resist God? Your call, ball's in your court, of course. Is it a good idea or a bad idea to cooperate with God? God gives grace to the humble and he opposes the proud. You want his wind in your face or you want his wind in your sails? Your choice, ball's in your court. You know, it says in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 6, it says, uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. This misunderstood concept is intrinsically linked to your willingness to embrace the future that God has for you. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the certainty of things not yet seen. The capacity to see that which is not yet inextricably links to faith. That is your attitude of trust in him. Do you trust him? True story. I got on a plane at Adelaide Airport to fly back to Melbourne. When I got to my seat, which is on the aisle, there was a lady already sitting on the window. And as I came in and I went to sit down, she was shaking and crying. I had that kind of mini existential crisis, like do I... Do I pretend I didn't notice or do I do something? I sat down, you know, lightning prayer. God, you want me to do anything? You know? uh, did the old, I, I, are you okay? And she said, uh, I'm, she said, no, I'm not. She said, I'm having a panic attack. Uh, I have a phobia of flying. I said, oh. And uh, she said, um, my daughter's had a baby in Melbourne. And I was flying home. And, but she was sitting there. Bless her heart. She got in the plane. She's having a panic attack. And so I sat there and I did another little kind of lightning prayer. And God, what do you want me to do? You want me to do anything or nothing? And I, so I said, um, I'm, I'm a pastor. Would you like me to pray for you? And she said, yes, that would be nice. I said, like, I mean, like, right now. <laughs> and she said, yes, that would be nice. And I said, uh, do, you, do you mind if I, like, put my hand on your shoulder? She said, no, that's fine. I reached across the empty seat, put my hand on her shoulder, and started praying for her out loud. God, you know her, and, and you love her, and you're for her. You've demonstrated that in Jesus. You're for her. You gave yourself for this lady. And I hope I feel safe on the plane today. And like I prayed for like 45 minutes. I almost in Melbourne. No, I didn't. <laughs> Just a really quick prayer, and uh, amen, you know. And now I'd flown, I have flown hundreds of times. I feel very safe when I get in a plane. I'll get in a plane and I'll have a nap, I'll read, I'll watch a movie or whatever. I, I don't even think about crashing when I get on a plane. The dangerous bit is driving to the airport, not getting on a plane. Yeah. Far more dangerous driving to the airport than getting on the plane. And, um, and so I felt totally relaxed and she felt uh, really very insecure. Well, it was one of the worst flights I've been on in my life. Like you would have broken your neck on the roof if you didn't have your seatbelt on. We bounced around and we thrashed. I don't know what sort of front we flew through and... And um, I actually became nauseous. Uh, well, I, I felt nauseous. And, uh, and I'm starting to pray. You know when you go clammy and white if anyone gets motion sick? And I'm saying, oh, God, please don't let me vomit. You know, it will so discredit the prayer I prayed. 
when we got on and the poor lady, she was starting to panic and I'm looking over going, yeah, we're going to be fine, we're going to be fine, nothing. I'm like white as a ghost. And um, anyway, you know what? I have a ton of trust in the plane. She had a little bit of trust in the plane, but guess what? We both arrived at the same time. Uh, Faith is an attitude of trust in a third party that allows it or them to work on your behalf. Let me say that again. Faith is an attitude of trust in a third party that allows them to act on your behalf. We both put faith in the plane. I put a lot of faith in the plane. She put a little bit of faith in the plane. But we both got there because the object of our faith was the same. What's the benefit, therefore, of having greater faith, greater trust? Because when the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, increase our faith, yeah, you got faith the size of a mustard seed. He went small, not big. What's the advantage of having greater faith, therefore? The advantage is that you enjoy the ride more. If you're a frequent flyer with God, you will enjoy the ride more because you'll develop a track record and a narrative of God himself being faithful in your experience. Faith is an attitude of trust that allows a third party to act on your behalf. It's exactly what you're doing with the chair right now. You're adopting an attitude of trust in the chair so it as the third party can act on your behalf. It's holding your weight. I don't see anyone with shaking thighs right now because you don't trust the chair. If the chair was not worthy of your trust, with great faith you'd fall flat on your backside. The issue is not your faith. The issue is the object of your faith. And you can very confidently place your faith where you shouldn't and fall flat on your backside. I want to say to you, God is worthy of your faith. Jesus is worthy of your faith. You can trust him. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, the Bible says. The one thing that he looks for from you you have to offer, and it is your trust. Is that my time? (laughs) The one thing that God desires of you, you have. He's not desiring that which you don't have. He desires what you do have, which is your trust. Faith is the assurance, Hebrews 11.1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the certainty of things not yet seen. So I now ask you about your vision for your life and where God intersects with it. Now, as I scan around the room, I'm 56. How many people are older than 56 who are prepared to confess it? How many are younger than 56? Okay, I'm, going, I'm on the three-quarter bandwagon under 56 and the one-quarter above 56 on that rough hand show. Over 56s, <clears throat> vision for the future, and especially those who have topped 70, some of you I think might have topped 80. I'm not sure if anyone's topped 90. Um, vision for the future, it's a, it's, a, it's a diminished season on planet Earth. By natural sense, because none of us have a guarantee beyond today. None of us have a guarantee for today, actually. Do we? The Bible says God knows the number of days that are ordained for our lives. 
I sometimes wonder if we had a T-shirt with a countdown on it, whether we'd live different, differently, I should say. Get my English correct. Or if you had a countdown shirt on. Like if it's saying you've got, you know, 20,000 days left to live, you know, it's like, yeah, well, 20,000 days, you know. You come to the last, you know, 3,600, I'm in my last decade. Coming to my last 365, I'm in my last year. Coming into my last 30, I'm in my last month. I'm down to seven. I've got a seven on my shirt. There's a movie about that where they trade in time. Have you seen that one? What's it called? Just in time. I can't remember what it's called. And um, like if you're hitting your last like year or your last month or your last week, are you going to start like, this is a non-rhetorical question, but I don't want you to verbalize it. Are you doing anything differently? Are you doing anything differently? You're into your last 30 days. What's shifting? And if it's going to shift in your last 30 days, like, why are you waiting for the last 30 days? Really? Like, get on and, li- get on and live with God and honor him. And so, now, so a vision for the future, for some, actually needs to, well, not for some, for all of us, actually needs to kind of press into that eternal realm as well. Because the Bible says, now unto him, that's Jesus who is able to keep you from falling, that's in this life, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Now that person sitting beside you, you can give him a nudge if you want and say, look, you're not bad, but you're not faultless. But that's the way the Bible says you arrive if you put your trust in Jesus. And what's more, you don't sneak in the back door, it says you arrive with exceeding joy. So that's an eternal vision which kind of affects that eternal vision of that it is so much better than we can even possibly imagine, gives context to therefore how we live today because how we live today engages with that eternal reality which is absolutely glorious beyond our comprehension. The Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has it even entered into the heart of humanity the good things that God has prepared for, for them. Beyond your capacity to imagine how good that side is. So I come back to your vision for your life and your preparedness to trust him. The one thing he wants, you have to offer, it's your trust. It links to your vision. I'm sorry, it links to your faith. Your vision will link to your faith. You know, when the Apostle Paul penned, um, he was penning, penning a letter to the Ephesian church, and he got to a bit. I believe he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says of itself that it's God-breathed. And, and um, so he's writing it. He's trying to, he's writing to the people about God. Surprise, like it's in the Bible. He's writing about God, and he says that he is, he's able, he's, he's able and there's like Holy Spirit says, you know, you'd be a bit more than that. Well, he's, he, he's, able to, he's able to do whatever you could ask. The Holy Spirit's like, come on, you're not even getting warm yet. Well, he's able to do whatever you'd ask or hope for. Keep going. Well, he's able to do beyond what you could ever ask, ask or hope for. He's like, you're getting warm, but keep going. He's able to do abundantly beyond what you could ever ask or hope for. He says, you're almost there. And he penned Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all 
you could ever ask or hope for. Now, you get the sense that the apostle is trying to place something into the spirit and heart of early Christianity about what God was like. And I asked you again about your vision for your life and your preparedness to trust him. Faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the certainty of things not yet seen. Now, if you've not been prepared to trust God in your lives, at your uh, moment where you are caused to trust him, you will have a panic attack. You will be the lady on the airplane. You will shake. It will freak you out. It's going to be to do with something concrete. It'll be to do with a health issue, yours, your loved ones, your child, your parent. It'll be to do with your employment. It'll be to do with your, your, your finances. It'll be do, to do with some kind of relationship. It'll be something real, and your back will be against the wall. And if you have never trusted him before, and now like it's like, now it's like the guy hanging from a bridge by just his fingertips. This is, this is from Alpha. You know, if there's anybody there, please save me. And God says, I'm here. Let go and trust me. The guy looks behind him and he goes, is there anybody else there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if, if you've never flexed the muscle of trusting God, you will have a panic attack. If you've developed a good, solid narrative of learning how to trust God, without faith, it's impossible to please him. You have the one thing that he wants of you. It's your trust. Flex that muscle. Learn what it is like to flex the muscle of faith. Because there is a person inside you. You are his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus, it says, to do good works which God himself has prepared in advance for us to do. There is a person inside of you, which is a larger version of you, that God himself is seeking to bring out. How is that possible? You need to learn how to trust him. You need to learn how to trust him. Step out by faith. Faith is an attitude of trust that allows a third party to act on your behalf. My faith is in Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for my sins. He acted on my behalf. He died for me. He was raised again from the dead. He has poured out his Holy Spirit. He's the one who declares me a son of the living God. You know, he, he's the one who raises me up. He is the one who calls me. He is the one who brings a larger version of myself out of myself, and my trust is in him. He is the one who has healed me every time in my life so far. He's the one who's provided for me every time in my life so far. He's the one who's given me strength every time in my life so far. Flex the muscle of faith. That's to your current point of narrative of your life. Now look forward. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the certainty of things not yet seen. What by faith are you prepared to trust a God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all you could ever ask or hope for? What are you prepared to trust him for? Are you prepared to trust him for your kids? Are you prepared to trust him for those like, and no, no doubt, some people in this room are business people. Are you prepared to trust God for your business? For that contract, for that opportunity? Yeah. Are you prepared to actually say, God, it's actually your business, it's not my business. It's, it's your business. It's yours. 
You have your way. Are you, can you trust God in that kind of financial zone? Can you trust God with your relationship? Like, really, what can you trust God for? Can you trust him for anything? Can you trust him for everything? Can you trust him for some things? What's your track record? Like, do you trust God? Like, I, the delightful thing about being a visitor to a congregation, I don't know any of you. Well, Janice, wherever Janice has gone. I've known Janice for more than 30 years, but we haven't had much contact for a long time. But new Janice. And, but really, what can, you, what can you trust? Have you put your trust in God? Like, I... I are you confident, for example, you, you might have just snuck in the today might be your first day. You know, this is all very, very new to me. Or you might have been journeying for a while towards this moment. And I, I just want to ask you, are you confident? Are you confident about that day when you're going to stand before God? A God who loves you, who is for you, a God who is self-sacrificed in the person of Jesus. I, I quoted it earlier. God demonstrated his love for you in this. While you were still sinners, Christ died for you. You don't have to do a clean-up act to come to him. You come as you are. He knows you. He loves you. He's for you. He's very patient in bringing out a bigger version of you. He'll do it for the rest of your life as long as you've got a pulse. So I ask you, I ask those of you who are early in your journey, have you trusted him enough to say, I've put my trust in Jesus. He died on the cross for my sins. For those of you who say, yeah, I know the reality of that. The Bible says, as you receive Christ Jesus as your Lord, so walk in him. Are you, are you trusting him? You say, I'm, I'm flicked the mu- I flexed the muscle a few times, but maybe not too many times. Some of you go on, I flexed my muscle a lot of times, but I still find it a challenge. Every, every genuine challenge, when I got my back against the wall, it's still really challenging. I still have a minor panic attack. Like, wh- wh- where are you at in your faith development, your attitude of trust in God? Because without faith, the Bible says, it's impossible to please him. You have the one thing that he wants, and it's your trust. I'm going to invite us just to pray right now. If you wouldn't mind just bowing your heads with me. Let's just become very aware of his presence. In fact, if you know exactly what I'm talking about right now, and you say in your own heart of hearts, I'm very confident between me and God, I have put my trust in him, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. If you say, yeah, I, I'm, I totally understand that deal. I invite you right now to fill this place with your prayers for anybody who's maybe in this building right now who says, I'm not sure about that bit. And if that's you, I want to speak to you right now, just while heads are bowed, very respectfully. If you're uncertain about how things are between you and God, I want you to know this, just really clearly. He knows you. He loves you. Your life matters. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Historic, done. You have the opportunity to put your trust in him and to say, Jesus... Make it real in my life. I'm putting my trust in you. What you did, you did for me. You can find your language around that in a prayer. You can, you might say a prayer that says, "Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You died on the cross for my sins." You might, you might say, 
God, I'm sorry, I've been doing it all my own way. Like, but like, a, like a penny's dropped today. All of a sudden, I've, I've kind of, I've got a little moment of clarity, and and that doesn't happen every day. Let's be honest. I've got a moment of clarity right now, and as best I know how, I'm trying to put my trust in you. I want to cross the line. So you've maybe been journeying for a little while. Whatever way it's happened, it's like you're at a moment right now and you've got an opportunity to put your trust in Jesus. You can say yes to him right now, literally right now. No one can push you over the line. You alone can take that step. But I dare believe that God's tapping you, speaking your name, saying it's your day. So while others are praying for you, whether they know you or not, if in your own heart of hearts you say, look, I think today's my day. I'm going to get you to do something bold. I'm going to invite you to lift your face and look at me. Just give me a wave. Catch my attention. Just give me a wave and go, I think it's my day. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to count to three. If you're ready for it. I know it's even a little bit scary, but we've, we've actually got to even acknowledge it to ourselves and to God. Like, yep, today's my day. I'm going to... I'm going to take the step. I'm putting my trust in Jesus, what he did for me on the cross. Today's my day. You ready? If it's you, and it might only be you, on the count of three, lift your face, lift your hand, look me in the eye. Go, today's my day. You ready? One, two, three. Look at me now. Just give your hand a wave. Is that anybody today? Is that a wave? Yes, bless your heart. Good on you, man. Bless you as well. Buddy, you're a champion. That's awesome. Is that you, mate? Was that a, was that a wave? It was. I feel like I'm an auctioneer. <laughs> yes. That was. Anybody else? Just get, just make it obvious. Go, yes, yeah, today's my day. Today's my day. Is that you? Anyone? Multiple of you today have gone, yeah, that's, today's a day for me. But Father, right now, for those who by faith are seeking to respond to you, I just want to pray for them in a very precious way. Right now, come to them according to their faith. Speak over them. You are my child. I'm going to quote to you from the Bible. It says, as many as received him, he gave them the right to be called children of God, even to those who believed in his name. So allow him to speak over you. This is my son whom I love and him I'm well pleased. This is my daughter whom I love and her I'm well pleased. Just receive that from him. Receive from him a washing the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all sin. Right now, just be washed, really, in, in your deepest recesses of your person. Anything you've ever felt guilty about, remorse over, any, your, your own willfulness, right now, just let it go. Let it be washed away. The Bible says if any person is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And may that be real in you by faith right now in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I also want to pray for Christian people. You're going, got the deal. I definitely have taken that step. I know the reality of that. But today has challenged you about your attitude of trust in God. You've trusted him enough to die on the cross for you. But that ongoing thing, like as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him, that ongoing thing, Let's, kind of, let's be honest, it's been a challenge. It's like you've wanted to take, take it back, 
But today you feel like God is saying to you, trust me. Trust me for your future. Trust me for your life. Trust me for your development. There's a bigger version of you and you. I'm bringing it out. Now again, respectfully heads are bowed. But if that's you right now and you're wanting to say, yeah, God, that's real. I'm really, I just, I need to, I need to trust you more. Just raise your hand right now. Just really quickly. Yeah, pop them up all over the place. Bless you, bless you. All over the place. Bless you. Me too. I raise my hand as well. Father in heaven, see us, I pray. Just like a father prayed in the Bible, he says, I do believe, help my unbelief. Help us, Lord God, by your Holy Spirit, do a great work in our hearts and help us as we take little steps of trust, reinforce in us that we really can trust you. Oh God, I pray a blessing on this church. I may be done according to you, may be done for you according to your faith, as Jesus said repeatedly. We thank you, Lord God. We love you and we're grateful. And we trust you for our future. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and God's people agreed and said, Amen, amen and amen. How about we celebrate with those who said today was the day to take a big step?